Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 64 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great, big, beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay, and we're located in the Equitable Bank building, which is directly across from Winkies, and we're also kitty corner from Sendex, so everybody knows exactly where we are, and we're very happy to say, and I'm very happy to say, since we're predicting snow in the very near future that we're able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like more details, if you'd like to see pictures, uh, see some pictures of our office, you go to ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is Terry Pavlik, and we were just looking, and I always look at this and think Terry has been on since December 22nd of 2005. So that's, that's not possible, Karen. That's quite some time ago. It's quite lovely that you keep having me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, what's really so nice is that uh, our relationship started just by meeting each other um, one day and talking about common interests in our business. And we worked together and you were gracious and came on the radio and talked about um, stocks and bonds. And just recently, we were able to really even work at a, a deeper level and a deeper capacity with our clients. And you began managing our bond portfolios for our clients. And there are so many um, ins and outs of, of bonds, and it's such an important piece of our clients' portfolios. And I'd like to just take a second to explain why that is. And I believe that our style of investing is unique and one of the ways that we protect our clients, and it certainly is holding true in this year, is that um, we like to have anywhere between five and seven years of whatever income our clients are spending, we like to have that set aside in bonds. So that would mean that regardless of what happens in the stock market, our clients are protected and their lifestyles don't have to change. Their cash flow doesn't change. So the only way that that would work, however, is if we own bonds that are good. High quality mm-hmm. bonds, yeah. bonds that will be there when we be. need them. And so in these last couple of years, we've been able to create cash flow for our clients through profitability. But now the market is down. It's been a little bit volatile, up and down. Yep. And so we're relying more on more on those bonds. And the other piece is that I always say that the, the person with the most shares wins because <laughs> income and dividends are paid on the number of shares you own, not on the value of shares. So I like it when the market goes down, particularly if it's just at that right time in the recipe when dividends are being paid. Because yeah. in a down market like this, if you can really understand your portfolio and think, wow, this is a really great opportunity for me to grow my portfolio, that that is is really a great thing. And 
the way we do it is by knowing that we have bonds that are there that will step up to the plate and be available for our clients' income needs. And Terry, that's really where you come in into the portfolio. You've known me a very long time. You know my investment strategies. You know how I like to protect my clients' principal because I'd have to say 90% of the people that come to us really don't want to lose money, not that anybody does, but they really want to protect those assets because they have worked their whole life to save them. And so when I look at those bond portfolios, it's important that we understand the bonds. It's important that the bonds are there when our clients need them and that income. And really, that's the, that's the job that you do for us. Right, I do. Uh, the bond portfolios that I manage for you are the same as the ones that I manage for my own clients. And my philosophy has always been that you don't take um, risk in the bond portfolio, uh, certainly not principal risk. Um, if you want to take on added risk, do it in stocks where you get paid for it. You know, the thing about bonds is they generate income, but they don't generate appreciation typically because we always end up buying the bonds around their par value, which is what they mature for. So you have to have good quality bonds that allows us all to sleep at night, not just the client who owns them, but me as well. Who <laughs> And me. And you. <laughs> we purchased for those bonds for the client. So all of our bonds are investment grade rated. We don't speculate in junk bonds or you know, any of the euphemisms for junk bonds, high yield, anything that's not uh, credit worthy. And uh, that way we know that um, the issuing company will be there to redeem the bond when it comes due. And that eliminates tremendous amount of risk you if know, you Terry, know they're going to be there. So often clients will come in just for an initial appointment to um, kind of get an idea on their portfolio of what we might be looking at. And uh, inevitably I'll say, well, do you know what is your mix and what is your risk level? And they'll say, oh, we, we have we have a lot of bonds. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of bonds and we have a very safe portfolio. And then we'll look at the portfolio and realize that in many cases they own bond funds, but they have no idea of what's in those funds. And they have so much inherent risk that they don't even understand that they have. It just seems like when people hear the word bond, they automatically think it's safe. Yeah. Well, that and, and they that associate it maybe with a CD in a way. In a bond fund especially. Now, I know that in some cases you have to have a bond fund for liquidity. Mm -hmm. So that would be a good reason for owning a bond fund. But that's probably the best reason. Uh, one of the ways... And that, that would be a short term. Yeah, it would be. Or, you know, if you just have some need out there and you're not sure yes. when and you want to have it. I would rather have you invest in a bond fund if you know you're going to need the money within a year rather than probably putting in a ladder of bonds that then I have to, I'll buy, but then I have to go sell mm -hmm. because um, the bond market doesn't trade like the stock market. You know, it's not billions of shares a day in the, in the bond market. Um, in stocks, it's very liquid. There's a bid and an ask price and they're a few cents apart, but in sometimes bonds don't trade for days at a time. So it's just different. And if you really have to go into that marketplace and sell, if you're forced to, I mean, you might lose 5% on the price. That's a pretty big swing. Mm -hmm. So when I buy bonds for my clients, my intention is to hold them until they mature. And um, that is a way to minimize, minimize risk uh, because I know at some date in the future I'm getting a specific price. I know all that when I buy it. Uh, in a bond mutual fund, you don't know that, right? Because there's between you and the bonds that are in the fund, there's a, a bond mutual fund manager who has a very different objective than maybe you have. Mm -hmm. um, his job is he's trying to earn a bonus. 
And the turnover in bond portfolios, bond mutual funds, I mean to say, is sometimes enormous. Some of the biggest ones turn over their portfolio every couple of months. They have hundreds of percent a year in turnover. And so you never get the benefit of holding the bonds until they mature. That's what you give up when you have a bond fund. And uh, to me, that just increases the risk. You know, you never know when you're getting your money back. I always like to say that with my bond portfolios. On these dates, we know when we're getting our money back. Uh, but with a bond fund, you never do. And um, that's a lot to give up. <laughs> it is. So for us, Terry, when let's say we have a client that's taking out $10,000 a month out of their portfolio. We would have $120,000 a year that would have to come out. And so if it was over five years, we would have a half a million dollars to 700000 in a bond portfolio. We may have... 300,000 or 400,000 that would actually be in individual bonds that we know will mature that year. Right. We maybe keep 100 or 125 in the bond portfolio for liquidity because we never know if there'll be unexpected expenses. Yep. Right, right. But the real benefit to keeping it in the individual bonds is that we know it's going to come due. At a certain time and exactly and for what. But let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about you had mentioned a little bit earlier that you like to buy your bonds at par and there's discounts. And very often, I even know with our clients, when the monthly statement comes out, they maybe have a bond for $50,000 and now it's $48,500. And we have to, again, help them to understand what that means to right, them. And right, so with right. that, we'll be right back. Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Terry Pavlik. He is the president of Pavlik Investment Advisors, which is right here in um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, actually right in Delafield. Delafield yeah. And uh, Terry and I have been working together since 2005 doing the radio show and Really, uh, one of the nicest things about this, Terry, is that you really understand my business and you understand what we're looking for. And safety is really a key, but also there are some real advantages to how you can buy bonds for our clients. And so what we basically do is we pool all of our individual clients' assets together and give you a number and you purchase those bonds for our clients, and we drop them into their individual portfolios. So we don't have a pool of assets for people. Each each client has their own their assets. Their own individual assets. And then you go out and you buy bonds, and we hold them over that duration. But very often, we buy them, as you said, at par. And with the market and the interest rate volatility, they could go down or they could go up. And in some cases, you do sell them. Well, yes, but rarely. But rarely, if there's a reason. You are watching them. Always. And if there is anything that would give us an indication that that bond isn't what we thought it would be, we liquidate it. So we don't end up, as many clients come in, with default bonds and bonds that are ugly. Yeah, right. (laughs) Ugly little children in those portfolios. So maybe you could talk a little bit about why bonds actually do have a lot of risk to them in many ways. Well, I... so a couple of things there. Um, first of all, my tendency is always, as I said, to hold the bonds until they mature. That's the best way to reduce volatility, to eliminate risk. But bond prices do move around. And when the Fed is raising interest rates, as they have been for the last year, and sounds like they're going to continue to do for the foreseeable future, 
um, when when the Fed is raising interest rates, bond prices generally fall. And that's just the way it is. There's an inverse relationship between the overall level of interest rates and bond prices. And I say to my clients, and sometimes I sort of check myself. I can't believe I'm really saying it, but I say, look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the price just went down because we're holding it until it matures. And we know that on that maturity date, we're getting what this, you paid. We're getting this price. We're getting par. So um, I always, that sounds crazy to me, <laughs> but it's true uh, because I don't really trade the bonds. Now, there are some circumstances in which I would, and the two big ones are, and they don't happen very often, if a bond gets down, its, rating, its credit rating gets downgraded to, so that it's no longer investment grade rated, and that would be below triple B, I will sell it. I am not hanging around to see a bond fall into the C's and then D because a credit rating of D stands for default. We don't need that in the low-risk part of our investment portfolio. So if it gets um, downgraded below triple B, I'll sell it. Uh, That has almost never happened. Uh, Even in 2008, I never had a bond get downgraded below triple B. They got downgraded to triple B but not below. So it's a rare event. Um, The other time I would consider selling a bond is if the price appreciated so much that I could look out into the marketplace and find a comparable bond that had a better yield, then why wouldn't mm-hmm. you, right? You'd harvest the gain and go get something that yields a little better. So, but um, those are the two real circumstances. I, uh, of course, sometimes clients' situations change and they have to liquidate the entire bond portfolio for, you know, usually terrible reasons. But, um, I mean, tra- tragedies and things mm-hmm. like that. But other than that, I don't uh, I don't like to trade them a lot. I think, again, that uh, bonds are supposed to be the low-risk part, the reliable part of your portfolio, and you don't gain a lot by trading bonds, at least not the way I do it. So, Terry, so often a client, will, a client or a prospect will come in and we evaluate their portfolio and sure. we send the bond portion over to you. Right. But they've never looked at those bonds. Those bonds were purchased at varying times. Various people have purchased them, and individuals sort of have this idea that you buy a bond and you just don't ever have to look at it. No, and, that's not true either. And that's one of the things that when Julie and I were looking at adding individual bonds to our clients' portfolio, another way of reducing risk, right. we knew that we wanted high-quality high bonds. But more importantly, we wanted somebody to be looking, looking at them every it. single day. We want to manage yep. portfolio. And, you know, for our clients, because we've had clients for so long and we were making this transition, um, we never passed the cost of managing those bonds on to our clients. We absorbed that cost ourselves. Right. That's how committed we were to adding individual bonds into those portfolios. Yeah, it's a really good idea. It's the right move for an investment advisor, typically, to have their clients who want bonds to be using individual bonds mm-hmm. as opposed to funds or something else. So uh, you've passed that a little bit on to me, of course. Yes, and, <laughs> we uh, shared in that. <laughs> yep, and, and I'm happy to do it. I mean, I, I like uh, managing the bonds. We review the credit ratings regularly, uh, three times a year. I have uh, one of my. Um, I have a nephew who's a who's a finance major at Marquette, so he's looking for things to do when he's not at school, 
And so he's the perfect er intern. You know, yes. he's in the uh, investment management program down there. So it's great to have him do some of these things for me. But I show him how, and we look up all the bond ratings. And if something's not rated or it's rated below triple B, as I said, I mean, that gets a red highlight pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And a phone call to Ellen Becker Investment Group to say, <laughs> look, I want to get rid of these, and here's why. Yeah. And uh, we do, typically. Yes. We do. So <clears throat> it's an ongoing process, and um, I think you have to keep looking at, at bond ratings because things change. Businesses get stronger and weaker. And uh, I also look at the overall marketplace. I mean, I regularly, regularly review the yield to maturity of the every bond in the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of them across all of your yes. portfolios. But sometimes there's opportunities. Uh, it happens, and we should take advantage of that too. When the market gives us a chance to improve the yield and harvest a gain, we should probably do that. So Julie always says, and it's kind of funny with Thanksgiving coming up, she said an investment portfolio shouldn't be like a turkey. You set it and forget it. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> you know, you really, it, it, you know, it's, it is important to evaluate what you own because yeah. it's the only way that we can predict what is going to happen in an escalating or a downturned market. Right. And that's where I think people get hung up is that they say, well, I lost all this money. And when the market corrected, I lost all this money. Often it's because they had to take money out at mm -hmm. a lower yeah, level. When the market's down. When the market's down, they had to sell something in order to maintain their lifestyle. It is gone then. Yeah, <laughs> it's it is. truly gone. Or very often they own something that did blow up because they didn't have quality in their portfolio. But if you have a quali quality in your portfolio, all it does is go down. <laughs> and if you're fortunate enough to be having dividends coming in, then you're buying more shares yeah. at a lower price. Right. And when the market goes back up, it's going to be even better. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, you know, you, I know you and I do this as well with my clients. At the beginning of the relationship and then periodically during the relationship, you reassess the amount invested in stocks versus the amount in bonds. Yes. That's called an asset allocation. And, uh, and we revisit that all the time. In, our, in, our, in a situation where, say, the stock market would drop 20%, right, a typical bear market, that's a time where you want to be reallocating from bonds back to bring your yes. allocation up in stocks. So you want to mm -hmm. buy low. One of the things we do in our bond portfolio is to ensure that there's always liquidity to be able to do that, should it happen, is our bonds are invested in what's called a laddered maturity. And by that, I mean, think about, visualize a ladder with the, rings, the rungs on a ladder and that a bond um, is coming due every year. At the bottom rung is maybe next year and then the next rung up is two years from now and three years and so on. So that every year we have something coming due, something maturing in the bond portfolio. That gives us a pop of liquidity. And then you can make those decisions. Okay, now that this bond is matured and I've got this cash from it, should I reinvest that in more bonds? Or has the stock market dropped and this is an opportunity mm -hmm. to put a little more money back into the stock market? So by having a laddered maturity, you improve your flexibility with regard to the stock part of your portfolio as well. It really works out. Pretty nift in a pretty nifty way. Having a strategy. Yeah, right. I mean, it's all conscious. We're yes. doing all of this for a reason, not just happenstance. So, and those are all some of the benefits of um, thinking through a really prudent and uh, you know pretty smart strategy. It's very hard for an individual, 
it's very hard for a financial advisor, a stockbroker, to really assess all the different bonds out there, all the different stocks out there, all the different countries out there. Right. It's it's can be um, an overwhelming yeah. idea, which is why you do our bonds, and yeah. we work with Campbell Newman to do our dividend-paying stocks and our small caps, is because we really recognize the importance of knowing what you own. Yeah, right, and um, and of using that people who are dedicated to doing that. I mean, I use a lot of computer power <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to keep track of all this stuff, but uh, there are systems out there, and it allows you to. You know, do this very well. Do you know, I've with the market being somewhat um, unpredictable and volatile with the elections and things, and we'll talk a little bit about that for sure, people were saying to me, oh, my gosh, you must be just dying, and phone calls, and we're not. No. Well, Our clients know what they know. They have a plan. We've been, and yes, <laughs> that and, you know, all this gray hair or lack of hair in my case, <laughs> um, you know, is because of all of the market cycles and election cycles we've been through before. I always know that the day after election day, the sun still comes up and life goes on. (laughs) The economy doesn't grind to an absolute halt, regardless of which party won or lost. Yes. So um, a little longer time horizon, I'd like to think, than just November 6th. So true. My guest today is Terry Pavlik. He is the president of Pavlik Investments in Delafield, Wisconsin. Terry works very closely with our clients, and we're really grateful to not only have him as one of our um, lead money managers, but also we're grateful that he takes the time and writes in our newsletters and keeps our clients abreast, does um, several different annual um, uh, meetings with our clients, and it's such a rarity that clients actually get to meet with their managers, yeah. whether they're a bond manager, a stock manager. Uh, but we really do try to be as transparent as we can, and we are, and we certainly want our clients to meet the people who are managing their money. And with that, we'll be right back. <music> seminars that we have coming up, um, please go to ellenbecker.com and we have a list of not only our Money Sense radio shows, but we have a list of our um, philanthropic connection radio shows that are on Sunday nights, if you would like to take a look at that, and great articles in our news and notes. My guest today is Terry Pavlik. He's a president of Pavlik Investment Advisors, and Terry manages individual portfolios on stocks and bonds, and he manages our clients, all of our clients' um, individual bond portfolios. And one of the reasons for that, it's always, for me, hard to determine to meet managers and to meet individual, individuals out there. And everybody manages money well, of course, when you sit down and talk with them. But it's really being able to sit down with Terry, and he totally understands all of our portfolios, what we're trying to achieve for our clients. And, you know, Terry, you mentioned a little bit earlier, you want to sleep at night. That really helps me to sleep at night. Yeah, well. I mean, knowing that I'm not working with a strange person out there that I filled out a box that says I want this. That's we actually kind of the sit down difference. and we look at we look at portfolios, and right. you totally understand what we are trying to create in our model portfolios. Yeah, and I think that 
you know, one thing that sets, say, your firm and my firm apart from um, all of the investment management industry uh, is that unlike, a, you know, a big bank or a mutual fund for sure, where the person who is actually making the investment decisions on the individual securities that you're going to own um, never looks you in the eye if you're in a mutual fund. It's some mutual fund manager. I was one for a long time, so I know what mm -hmm. that's like, uh, who lives somewhere else whose goals are really to earn a bonus. Let's be honest about that. <laughs> and so they understand the bonus plan and do whatever they have to do to maximize their return, which may or may not be in line with what you know you think they're doing for mm -hmm. you. Um, but in our case, you know, I, I meet with my clients. I know who they all are. When you when I read the list of my accounts, I think of them, and I take this kind of personally. You know, mm -hmm. I'm the one who makes the buy and sell decisions. Our name is on the door. Yeah, you know, <laughs> on that on that point, uh, when I first opened my business, which is now twenty over twenty years ago, I was talking with my dad, and I said, Dad, you know, what I, what should we name the business? And I was thinking, you know, Buttonwood or some <laughs> name like that. And he said, uh, well, if you have faith in yourself, why don't you just call it Pavlik Investment Advisors? And uh, I thought about that was pretty good advice. Yes. You know, the thing about our parents is they, all their advice is really good, but you don't realize it until you're way older yes. <laughs> than probably you'd like to admit. So well, that was great advice. When and, you walk in your office, it says Pavlik Investment. I walk in here and it says yeah. Ellen Becker Investment Group. And there is a huge amount of pride. Yeah in our both of our businesses and we take it very seriously right absolutely so um so in our in our businesses you know we're looking at our customers thinking of them individually when we make decisions it's not uh, somebody who's been shoved neatly into some cookie cutter you know large growth mid value right. some box and you don't really know who they are i see that all the time mm -hmm. uh i um, been fortunate to have more and more customers coming to me. And when you look at their existing portfolios before, <laughs> when they're thinking about it, and you see that they have three shares of this and one share of that, and they own a hundred different shares, a hundred different stocks like that, or a dozen bonds, and none of it's really very material, you know they've been put into the cookie cutter, that there's yes. nothing unique or specific to them going on there. And uh, that's kind of a disappointment. It's unfortunate that that's happening in the industry. But it does. On the other hand, it, maybe it creates opportunities for those customers to come and find us, you know, you or me or someone like us. I sat down with a new client this morning, and I heard one of the most common things that people say when we've gotten through the process and everybody is organized, their investment portfolios in place, why didn't I come here sooner? Yeah, or now I understand, right? Why didn't I wish we'd have come here sooner? Right. In fact, I think I'm doing a billboard like that. <laughs> why didn't we come? Huh. I'll because look for it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a common thing. If only I'd have come years yeah. ago. It doesn't have to be like uh, somebody speaking, you know, um, a foreign language to you. Everybody can understand if we just go through this one step at a time and explain what we're thinking, what we're doing. The client understands. It's way, it's way better. As my I kids think, would say, it's way better. I think better. a lot of people, there's some people who think they haven't done a good job. There's other people who are um, afraid of change. Um, it seems overwhelming making the time, but people really, when they get in here and they see how easy it is, they're just amazed mm -hmm. um, to put everything together and to put a beautiful portfolio together, a beautiful recipe 
um, they they can't imagine that that you know why they didn't do it earlier. And I always say, but we're here now. Yeah, and we're, we're looking here. after it. You know, that's the thing too that um, we said we put a plan in place, and my and my um, clients, uh, you know, sort of have faith in me that I'm looking after the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, that if we decide that 60% is in stocks, well, when it gets to 65, we're probably going to reallocate to get it back to where it's supposed to be or the other way around. You're a a gatekeeper. Well, very much. I mean, we're really... We look at it all the time. We're looking at it. And as we look at our our portfolios and our rebalancing all the time as well, it, um, it does make us sleep at night. But... On that note, a lot of people lost sleep the other night waiting for the election, the election results. returns to come in. Yeah. Um, give us a little bit of a look back and a look forward. Well, um, you know, when Donald Trump uh, passed the tax cut, I'll just give him credit. He didn't do it himself, of course. But when the tax cut got passed, passed a year ago, uh, there was a lot of hand-wringing on one side, and um, it's worked out pretty well. So that gave the uh, gave the economy a real pop um, in the spring quarter of this year. Growth was four point two percent in the um, summer quarter, three point five percent. Those numbers are both well above anything we'd seen in the previous you know several years because it had been a pretty tepid recovery. And I I, I don't need to politicize that, but whenever you have a, a recession or an economic calamity that is the result of a financial meltdown like we had in 2008 those recoveries tend to be take way longer it takes much longer for people to heal think about all the people that were thrown i mean underwater on their houses and lost their homes and lost their jobs and the unemployment rate was quite high it takes years to to bounce back from that in comparison to a very short sharp recession that we all bounce back from more quickly i mean a meltdown kind of permeates the economy so that's what we were faced with now here we are, believe it or not, you know, 10 years later. <laughs> it was a quick decade, and uh, the economy's done great. The tax cut uh, from a year ago has helped. Uh, the unemployment rate is at a record low. Uh, the last time the unemployment rate was at 3.7%, which is what it is today, was exactly 49 years ago. Oh, in my gosh. October <laughs> of 1969. So wow. think about that. That's, I mean, a generation, right? It sure is. Um, it had been a little lower than that in the a few years earlier in the 60s, but those are remarkably low unemployment rates. Mm-hmm. So um, the economy seems to be in pretty good shape. Uh, what did the election do to change the trajectory of the economy? I guess I would say not too much as far as often they don't, despite all of the um, <laughs> consternation that they seem to create. But, I'm happy um, the ads are off. Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. You just can't take it anymore. <laughs> um, the um, The Senate is in obviously in Republican hands. The um, House is in the Democrats' hands. That's a stalemate. Uh, typically, the stock market likes stalemates. They don't like to see too much progress in, um, you know, that it just adds uncertainty. And the Dow Jones promptly responded yesterday by going up 500 points. <laughs> so a little bit of that maybe is a bounce back from the sell-off we've had the last month. But uh, a bit of relief, I would say. Uh, for the foreseeable future, I don't see much changing in policy. I, I expect the Democrats and the Republicans to fight over everything and get almost nothing done. Um, and uh, that means to me that the economy continues to grow. Uh, the one little sort of 
fly in the ointment that is that the Fed is raising rates. And usually when the Fed raises rates, they keep doing that until they break something. And what they typically break <laughs> is the economy. So um, it might take them a while to break it this time. Uh, but um, they met coincidentally today and decided to do nothing. But they will raise rates almost certainly next month mm -hmm. and three or four times next year. And that's not a slow pace of rate increase. I mean, I, I kind of agree that, uh, you know, maybe going fast isn't the right move, but Nevertheless, from their perspective, they've done some extraordinary things in the last 10 years, and um, they want to be able to be in a position to fight the next recession. And I liken it to having no bullets left in the gun. They need to get <laughs> some bullets back in the gun so they can fight the next fight. Yeah. And so they need to raise rates so they can then cut them the next time around. Yeah. My guest today is Terry Pavlik. He is the president of Pavlik Investment Advisors. And um, as I said, Terry has been on the show uh, giving us his insights since 2000, December of 2005. And so that has been a long history okay. of us seeing the markets go up and down. So right. let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and we have a few minutes left to give you a little bit more insight into if we are looking at that recession, how can you protect your portfolio? So if the Fed needs bullets, what kind of bullets do we need? Yeah, With okay. that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Terry Pavlik, who is the president of Pavlik Investment Advisors. Terry is the um, manager, manager of our clients' bond portfolios, and it has been just a dream come true for us and for our clients in knowing and being able to literally sleep at night because we know what we own. We can pretty well um, predict what we believe will happen in a rising interest rate, in a rising stock market. And Terry, before we took the break, you said that the Fed needs to do some interest rate rising so that they can... Um, sort of fill up those guns again with a few bullets yeah. as as we as we move towards um another recession or as we move towards something happening in our economy so that they have the leverage of lowering the interest rates to sort of fool us that everything yeah, is okay it's, it's kind of a catch-22 it's right? a catch-22 but you know i have clients say all the time oh my gosh interest rates are rising should we buy bonds i have People saying, should we get into the stock market now? Why didn't I get in the other day? Now it's a 500 points, you know. You're right. And um, I had a client come in today with, um, not a client, a prospective client that became a client that came in with over a million dollars in the money market that he's been out of the market since 2000 and... Um, Eight or nine. Nine... 10 missed it and, all. and he yeah he missed it and he just never could figure out when to get back in that's and, the problem and right? finally his wife said we've got to find somebody <laughs> to, to make these decisions for, for us, us. Yep. because it it never feels good and um and that's a real you know that's a shame because a lot of times people feel that that's safe, but they, they forget about taxes going up. They forget about inflation going up. And so the money really isn't safe. So how, do, how can people you know, protect themselves as they anticipate the market, just what the Fed is trying to do? Yeah, well, there's a lot of different things there. I mean, first of all, <laughs> 
the the person who uh, has been waiting for nine years to get in the market, you know, there's been lots of research done on that. Uh, it's called market timing. Yes. It's something we don't do, and this is exactly the reason why. And just to compound that, you know, you wait for the just the right moment when you're absolutely sure. Usually, you're wrong, right? Because yeah. you um, it it always pays to invest in the stock market when it seems most insane to do that when you're most uncomfortable because it's a very contrary sort Fear of thing. Fear is not a motivator. No, right, <laughs> right. Uh, and then the, the other problem with market timing, just to finish up on that, is, okay, let's say you get the one decision right. You know, you, you buy low. Now you've got to figure out when to sell high. How do, <laughs> and then you've got to get it right again the next time. So there's been tons of research done on that. I wrote some papers on that early in my career. It's very difficult to do well. Uh, the better way to think about that is um, s segment your portfolio by time. You know, what do I need out of my portfolio over the next, say, three years? Keep that in very safe stuff. What do I need three to, say, six or seven years? That probably can be bonds. And beyond that, beyond seven or eight years, that can be stocks. Because if you really don't need that money for seven or eight years, there's been virtually no seven or eight per year periods in the history of the market where it hasn't at least earned zero. Which is why we do the bonds for five to seven years. Yeah, perfect. A bond ladder, because it ensures the fact that regardless of what happens to the market, the money that our clients yeah. need is for their cash flow is coming due. Yeah, and you and it it helps you to put the um, proper time frames around the different asset categories that you own, mm -hmm. and the ones that are going to generate the most return are also on you know as we would expect the most volatile. That's stocks. But pretend you're not going to be able to touch that for seven years. Yes. Now are you less worried? Well, if I don't need that money, yeah, I'm not worried. And the money that you've just put to the side in those stocks and a variety of other investments, if they're high quality and if they're paying dividends, you can leave them set because you know they'll come back and they're working for exactly you. Exactly right. They're working. Right. So um, just to come back to one of the things you asked me earlier about, the, we talked about recession, you know, the dreaded R word. Uh, it has been a long time um, since we've had a recession. The The record between recessions was uh, from 1991 to 2001, 10 years. That's the longest going back 150, the longest number of years between recessions. Right now, we are nine years and five months into this recovery. So we're getting there. Six more months, it'll be uh, a new record in the duration of this recovery. So what that tells me is, boy, if history's any gauge, um, we're getting toward the tail end of this. You know, we're in the later innings of this uh, recovery. And um, there's some signs of that. The most obvious is that the Fed is raising interest rates because the Fed always raises interest rates at the end <laughs> because they kind of cause the recession. So they're doing that. Uh, the St. Louis Fed, you know, there's these different sub-Feds all around the country. We always talk about the Fed. But the St. Louis Fed just put out an article over the summer um, talking about forecasting recessions. And they looked at two things, interest rates and uh, the unemployment rate. Well, the unemployment rate, I said a minute ago, was at a 49-year low. Mm. So what does that mean? <laughs> that means it's probably not going to go a lot lower. And if you had to bet on where it's going to be a year from now, I guess I would say maybe higher, probably not a lot lower. But when the, uh, one of the better predictors is when the unemployment rate starts ticking up, um, it gives you sort of a nine-month lead time on the start of a recession. So something, you know, that the listeners can look at month <laughs> by month here. 
Uh, and the yield curve, uh, they compare the yield on the 10-year Treasury to the yield on the two-year Treasury. And when the yield on the two-year Treasury gets above the yield on the 10-year Treasury, which is not normal, um, then that kind of forecasts a recession nine months in the future. That's called an inverted yield curve. Right now, the yield on the two years, um, eight-tenths of a percent below. So we don't even have a, there's not even signaling a real warning yet. So will there be a recession? Inevitably, there will. Will it be next year? Absolutely not. I'd be shocked. Mm -hmm. uh, 2020, maybe, but we have to kind of watch the, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and right. try to predict a, predict, a predictive uh, quantity here. So we'll just wait and see. But um, we um, will watch. And uh, we never do know. We never know for sure. These things help you figure it out. Mm -hmm. But the stock market is also a predictor. You know, So the stock market is a leading indicator, not a lagging indicator of the economy. So it will figure this out too. So um, this is interesting stuff. Uh, maybe it's all coincident. If you knew a recession was coming, what would you do? Because stock markets do go down typically in recessions, but not as much as our recent experience, say in 08. Um, typically, the declines uh, 4 to 8% during a recession, which isn't so bad. No. Uh -uh. And would you bail out of all your stocks and then start engaging in the market timing strategies that I just <laughs> well, dismissed? Well, and I've had clients who have, um, not clients, prospects who have come in and have said, I sold out everything, and I couldn't believe I had such a big tax liability. Well, they sold out, and they forget about having to pay tax gains. on that, the capital gains. and right. So it's not something that you just lightly do. It's no. something that you really consider. It has costs. <laughs> it has costs associated with it, many different I mean, costs. beyond just uh, the, the tax costs, and then, of course, you're out of the market. Yes, and you've got to get back in. And you've got to figure out when to get back in. It's very difficult. I, I prefer to stay in the market. Maybe we shade things a little bit, but if you have yourself allocated properly because you've gone through that exercise, um, and you I can think ride you through it. Know what you own and the risk that each investment is going to give you. So if you really want to keep three quarters or 80% of your portfolio very safe, then make sure that you know that you have that. And a lot of people like to play around with mm -hmm. some crazy different stocks and things like that. Keep it separate. Yeah. You know, keep your keep keep it separate and understand what you own and ask your advisor when the market goes down, what can I anticipate? What will it look like? And will I capture the upside of the market when the market is going up? Right, and, right. You know, we anticipate going down half of whatever the market goes down. And um, and we've been able to do that. Yeah. We've been able to do that. And so if you're out there and if you have a bond portfolio that you really don't understand, please give us a call at 262-691-3200. We will have Terry look at that bond portfolio, to, evaluate yeah. it, give you his um, projection on it and his idea on it. If you have your investment portfolio and you haven't reviewed it, now's a good time to make that New Year's resolution that you're going to really understand what you own. You know, Excellent. we know the market's going to go up. We know the market's going to go down. There was that old saying that nobody ever gets off a roller coaster when it's moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what people do. Yeah. And that's a bad thing. Yeah. That's a bad thing. So better to know what you own. Give us a call, 262-691-3200. Thank you, Terry. You're and welcome. as Thank always, you. I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great weekend. Bye.